The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Thursday edition, hiatus style, PFT Live, PFT PM. July 8 is the date, in case you're wondering. Although, you don't have to wonder anymore. It's on your phone, as is everything else that you ever need. Here's what you need to know about the National Football League while we get closer and closer to the start of training camp. News continues to emerge, thanks in part to Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers head coach, who said not that long ago in a podcast with Michael Irvin when talking about the chances of rookie quarterback Trey Lance winning the starting job in San Francisco right away, that he didn't want to create something that would allow me to generate an annoying headline when he pointed out that in theory, yes, Trey Lance could end up being the starter. So in a more recent podcast with Sean McVay and Peter Schrager, Flying Coach is the name of the podcast, Shanahan, who for some reason agreed to step into the lion's den, said all sorts of things that first and let me just raise a broad question here. Here's what I would ask Kyle if I had a chance to talk to him one-on-one. And I've spoken to him before. He's good friends with Chris. I like Kyle. I've said before, I'm on the record. He's got the potential to be a Bill Belichick. He is a genius when it comes to football, specifically offensive football. And but for rash of injuries last year, possibly would have been back in the Super Bowl, could be back this year, could be in the annual conversation and ultimately could have as many rings as Belichick does. I believe that of him as it relates to his coaching abilities. However, and and I'm I'm hesitant to say this because it cuts against my business interests. He needs to stop talking. Take a page from Bill Belichick and zip it. Don't bare your soul. And I want to know the backstory here, and maybe I'll try to find it out. How, how did they get him to do this? Was this just an ego thing? He and McVeigh have this rivalry that, yo, I'm not going to act like it's a rivalry. I'm not going to say no to you because then if I say no, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, yeah, I don't have the guts to come talk to you. Yeah, I got the guts to talk to you. I'll talk to, I'll talk to one of my top rivals, young coach, younger than me. Guy who's taken his team to the Super Bowl one year before I took my team to the Super Bowl. Guy whose team has upgraded this year and is one of the favorites in the NFC while my team is trying to, to get its sea legs again. Yeah, I'll do it. I'm not going to shy away from it. He said plenty of things. And maybe there's a strategy there that I'm not capable of grasping. But again, I look at Belichick. Belichick would have never done a podcast like that would have never been so candid about so many different topics, including most importantly, and I'm not going to get into the other ones because the, uh, uh, Hey, thanks McVeigh and Schrager for giving us something to write about and talk about in the middle of July. But what Shanahan had to say about Matthew Stafford, it became clear that the 49ers wanted Matthew Stafford. They tried to get in the mix 
for a Stafford trade, but they got involved too late. Ship had sailed. And, and frankly, I don't think any of it would have mattered. I think it was a, a, a deal that was brokered between Les Snead, the GM of the Rams, and Brad Holmes, the GM of the Lions, who had been an executive with the Rams. The experience with the Rams got him the job. The, the best way to to hide the debacle that was the Jared Goff contract was to put him in the Matthew Stafford trade package in lieu of trading Jared Goff to some other team and giving that team a first-round pick to take Jared Goff. That's what they otherwise would have had to do to get rid of Jared Goff if they were going to upgrade a quarterback. This was perfect. This was the, the best way and maybe the only way the Rams could have pulled it off, getting a new quarterback while also getting rid of the Jared Goff contract without it being so conspicuous that they got rid of the Jared Goff contract by giving up a first-round pick. So I don't think anything was going to disrupt that deal. I think that's the unvarnished truth. But when Shanahan says, yeah, we, we called Stafford's agent, Tom Condon, and it was too late. Okay. So what quarterbacks didn't the 49ers want this offseason as an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo? They wanted Matthew Stafford. There's a belief they wanted Sam Darnold. They wanted Aaron Rodgers. That was the news that lit the fuse on the entire Aaron Rodgers explosion of the past couple of months. It wasn't the report from ESPN that Rodgers isn't happy. It was the report from Paul Allen of KFAN that the 49ers had tried the night before the draft to trade for Aaron Rodgers. And then many in league circles believe, believe, and may be right, that when the 49ers traded from 12 to 3, ultimately investing three first-round picks and a third-round pick in one player, that Shanahan wanted Mac Jones and was eventually talked out of it and or led to the point where he made the decision on his own that he wanted Trey Lance instead of Mac Jones. So how many quarterbacks other than Jimmy Garoppolo did you want, Kyle, for 2021? How many? It may be easier to list the guys he didn't want than the guys that he did want. We've got Stafford. We've got Darnold. We've got Rodgers. We've got Mac Jones, ultimately Trey Lance. And here's what's so strange about it. And this is why I've spent the time to kind of make this point the way that I'd like to. Garoppolo's still the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. What the hell is wrong with this picture? He wanted Stafford. He wanted this guy. He wanted that guy. And, and as of right now, if they had to play a game today, and of course they don't, Garoppolo would be the starter. And maybe Lance will win the job during camp. But I think back to comments from 49ers CEO Jed York. Right after the draft, he did a podcast with Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area. The idea that if they keep Garoppolo for the next two years while they develop Trey Lance, that's $50 million invested in the development of Lance because that's $50 million that Jimmy Garoppolo will make over the next two years. So, look, I, I continue to believe that the 49ers have allowed themselves to freak out in the aftermath of not – evaluating Patrick Mahomes, not wanting Tom Brady, when Brady wanted to play for the 49ers. Let's rewind to 2020. Brady becomes a free agent, or he's eventually going to become a free agent, and the Patriots didn't really mind that multiple teams were tampering with Tom Brady. Brady makes it known to the 49ers he wants to come home. 
He wants to play for the team he grew up rooting for. A Super Bowl-ready team because they'd just been to the Super Bowl, and but for Jimmy Garoppolo not being able to hit an open Emmanuel Sanders, he wasn't quite wide-ass open, as Bruce Arians would say, but he was open. Championship throw, second straight year. A championship throw isn't made. First by Goff, now by Garoppolo. Brady would have made that throw. They didn't want Brady. They decided to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. I just think watching Mahomes versus Brady in the Super Bowl was, in my view, the icing on the cake, the cherry on top of the icing on the cake, the dollop of whipped cream on top of the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake that they had to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. They had to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And here we are after all of those machinations, after all of those guys that Kyle Shanahan was interested in getting, Garoppolo's still the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers and could be for all of the 2021 season and possibly beyond. Speaking of Tom Brady, he made some news a couple of weeks ago. Time gets kind of twisted and bent. And, you know, during this period where my, my usual routine is out the window, although we've developed a routine with the hiatus PFT Live, Tom Brady was on the shop uninterrupted. HBO, and he made the comment that that HBO wisely used to promote the show that Tom Brady, when he was looking for a team late in the process, there was a team that said they're not interested, and he said, you're sticking with that mother bleeper. And he didn't elaborate on the team or said mother bleeper, and so that sparked days of trying to figure out who it was. All sorts of different theories out there from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Ryan Tannehill to Mitch Trubisky to Derek Carr. And there are people in the league, and we wrote this at PFT to the chagrin of at least one person who covers the Raiders. We wrote based upon the beliefs of people in the league, people who are working for teams and who are privy to the conversations that Brady was referring to Derek Carr. Well, Derek Carr appearing with Brother from Another on Wednesday – at Lake Tahoe, where the American Century Celebrity Championship happens this weekend. Carr said he's not the person to whom Brady was referring. He wouldn't name the source. Good source. He's told it wasn't Brady. Now, other than it being Brady himself, I don't know that I'd trust any other source. Because any other source, especially if it's a Raiders source, they're not going to tell Carr, yeah, you know what, we did make a late run at Tom Brady. And uh, he, he, he was referring to you. Yeah, we, we've, we've connected the dots here. And yeah, yeah, you're the guy. You're the guy. You're the mother bleeper with whom we decided to stick. They're not going to tell him that. Gruden's not going to tell him that. And even if he had a direct conversation with Tom Brady, is Brady going to come out and say it? I don't think. And, and one of the other things Brady said during that show, 90% of the stuff he says isn't true anyway. Why would he tell Derek Carr that he was the guy? There's a chance, theoretically, that the Brady led Buccaneers and the car led Raiders meet in Super Bowl 56. I think it's very slim because I don't think the Raiders can stack up to the best teams in the AFC, but why give Carr extra motivation in the event that it's Carr versus Brady in Super Bowl 56? So Brady wouldn't tell him the truth. Brady would, whoever it is, if that guy asks Tom Brady point blank, am I the guy you were talking about? Brady's going to say it wasn't you. And I guarantee you, 
that when training camp starts and Tom Brady is asked that question, first of all, I don't think he's going to be asked that question. Second of all, when he's asked that question, he's not going to answer it. He's going to talk for 10 minutes about whatever he wants to talk about, and then the person who asked the question will have forgotten what the question was. So bottom line, I ain't buying it. Hey, if Derek believes it, fine. If that's what he needs to think to go forward with his career, fine. But I don't believe it. I don't believe that he wasn't the guy because people in the league believe he was the guy. So someone was the guy, and we probably will never find out who it was. A lot of dwelling on the past going on between the 49ers and Brady and thinking about what may have been. Doug Peterson, former coach of the Eagles, has said recently he's not going to dwell on his past with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's thinking about the future. He also said recently that he wants to coach again. And I'm I'm fascinated by whether or not he's going to be one of the guys whose name makes it into the rotation of usual suspects when the time comes to put together the coaching candidates for the 2022 cycle. And it'll be here before we know it, right after the season ends. There will be teams that fire their coaches. It happens every year. It's up to eight teams usually. And we hear the hot assistants. That percolates all year long. Maybe a college coach in the event that the Jaguars end up being pretty good this year. Copycat league. Hey, let's go get a college coach, guy who's never coached in the NFL at work for the Jaguars. Maybe it'll work for us. And then the other alternative is the recycled coach, the fired coach. Well, there aren't a lot of fired coaches out there who have Super Bowl ranks. I mean, Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl in his second season as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. That's got to count for something. Will he be regarded as a top candidate? How much blame is going to land on him for the disintegration of a Super Bowl team? I mean, think think about the past three seasons in Philly, 18, 19, 20. Has there been a Super Bowl champion that has fallen apart faster than the Eagles did? Maybe the Cowboys after Super Bowl Thirty. But it wasn't the same coach. They moved on from Barry Switzer to Dave Campo at some point, I believe, during that three-year cycle afterward. But to, to have Doug Peterson come in, team gets put together, climbs at the top of the mountain, grabs the flag, wins the championship, and falls apart like that, how much blame goes to him? How much blame goes to ownership? How much blame goes to GM Howie Roseman? How much blame goes to someone else? I don't know. But that's one of the things that any team, that is thinking about making a change after this season. And and I guarantee you there are already owners out there who are at least pondering the possibility, depending upon how the season goes, and if it starts poorly for those teams, they'll start looking around and lining up the candidates. you got to figure out how much blame ends up at the feet of Doug Peterson, and will it be so much blame that he doesn't get his name into the conversation for guys who get that second chance. The credentials, the Super Bowl win, the mere fact that he won a Super Bowl should be enough to get him a second chance. We'll see if it does. Somebody asked a question earlier this week about whether Lamar Jackson in his negotiations directly with Ravens GM Eric DaCosta may emerge with a deal that pays him a percentage of the salary cap. It dawned on me earlier today because my position generally is teams don't want to do it. The league doesn't want the teams to do it. And the guy in best position to do it is a guy who has all the leverage, who's on the brink of free agency, a Dak Prescott type of a guy, a Kirk Cousins type of a guy, someone who's dealing with a team that has no other real options but to say, fine, 
we will come up with a structure that guarantees that your cap number will be X percent of the total amount we have available. It occurred to me this morning, maybe Josh Allen's the right guy for it. Now, I don't know that the Bills give him a structure like that after only three years. But Josh Allen seems like a guy who, number one, really wants to stay in Buffalo. And number two, would be willing to do a deal that fairly ensures that the Bills will have the cash and cap space available to keep a competitive team around him. And there's no device like that other than the guarantee of a percentage of the cap, whatever the cap is. I am only going to count 15, 16, 17, and, and it'll never be a round number if it ever happens, and I hope it does happen. It'll be 17.2347. It'll be like pie. It'll be something that is ridiculously negotiated and specific to make it look like there was some grand formula at play. And maybe there was. Maybe it'll be the result of an analysis conducted by the analytics department of every major quarterback contract for the past 30 years and what percentage of the cap that quarterback accounted for each year with statistical averages and, and, and a final number. They'll hit the button and a number's going to be spat out. And that's the magic number. Whatever it is, however they get there. That, that's the fair way to do it. I don't know why the teams don't want to do it, but that's the fair way to do it. Now, teams will say we want cost certainty, but you never have cost certainty when the salary cap changes every year based on how much revenue you have. So, hey, I suspect the Bills are tempted to offer Josh Allen the same deal Patrick Mahomes got because it's a – it's a player-friendly, team-friendly, win-win, half-a-billion-dollar deal, but you got to commit for 12 years to get there. I think Allen and his representatives should look at that and say, no, I'm willing to work with you. I'm willing to make sure you've got more than 80 cents on every dollar to spend on other players, and I'm willing to tie my cap percentage to historically what great quarterbacks have gotten. Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks have gotten. Put Tom Brady in the formula as well. Let's do a full average. From Brady doing team-friendly deals all the way up to Peyton Manning, whose attitude was, bleep you, pay me. It's my job to get paid as much as I can. It's your job to manage the cap. Come up with that number, whatever it is. And that's Josh Allen's maximum salary, guaranteed, for the next X number of years. Whatever the cap is, that percent is what he's going to get. I think it makes a lot of sense. Probably means it'll never happen. But I think Josh Allen may be the one to do it. And I think Josh Allen can make a compelling case for it. And I've yet to hear a compelling case from anyone on the team side other than, frankly, the management council doesn't want us to do it, which, of course, is collusion. But good luck proving collusion in uh, an arbitration setting. All right, let's answer some questions before we wrap this up. I have not pre-screened these, so... uh, Let's see what we have here. I'll screen them as I go. PFTPM Posse. Won't we know which players have been vaccinated once camps open up? Because it'll be obvious who's wearing masks, getting tested daily, restricted eating, etc. Yes, it will be. And I've asked the league in the past, will there be transparency about who has been and who hasn't been vaccinated? Because even though it's not going to be a major factor in the betting habits of the Americans who are by the millions legally betting on football games, but... It's a factor. If, if I have to account for the slim possibility that unvaccinated starting quarterback, as of Sunday morning, 
is going to be swabbed. They're going to do that MESA test, which is an on-site PCR test, highly reliable. And they, they determine he's positive that morning, and that's it. He's done. He can't play. Well, if the guy's vaccinated, you don't have to worry about that. Vaccinated players are only tested once every two weeks. They're not going to be tested on game days. That risk, if you're vaccinated, of finding out Saturday or Sunday, because I guarantee you the one test every two weeks isn't happening the day before or the day of a game. For a vaccinated player, it's not a risk at all. It's not a reality at all. For unvaccinated players, it is. So I think we need to know. And, and the question is appropriate because we'll figure it out. That's going to be part of the reporting that's done. If players aren't going to say whether or not they've been vaccinated, we'll know who's wearing a mask. And there will be people in the media who try to shout down the reporting. It's none of our business. It is our business because we need to know who's available, who's not available. We need to know which guys may suddenly be unavailable on the day of a game. It's that simple. Health of players has always been an open book, and this is no different. And, and, and you can't just all of a sudden say it's nobody's business simply because it deals with a politically charged issue that has caused folks to, to take very strong positions on either side of it. All right. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Let's see what else we have here. At JR the Boss Man, the NBA is a virtual lock to expand to Las Vegas and Seattle. What markets are in the conversation as it pertains to potential NFL expansion? Well, I'll say this, JR the Boss Man. The conversation about potential NFL expansion hasn't happened yet. I think the NFL is looking at this in a linear fashion. First, they got to 17 games. Next, they'll get to 18 games. They won't be able to increase the inventory of total games beyond 18. So the only way to increase the inventory of total games after you get to an 18-game season is to expand the number of teams. More teams, more games. I would suspect that cities that have successfully hosted NFL teams in the past would be in the mix. Now, the lawsuit filed by St. Louis against the NFL, set to go to trial, by the way, uh, right about the time the Super Bowl happens in L.A. where the Rams moved. I think St. Louis at, at some point would potentially be in play, and maybe a settlement would include some sort of 
favored nation status for St. Louis in the event that there's expansion in the future. That's part of the deal that averted litigation when the Browns left Cleveland back in 1995. I'd say San Diego to the extent that someone's going to build a stadium there without taxpayer dollars. I would say, and and this whole Chicago Arlington Heights stadium thing has gone from not even a whisper to a roar in just a few weeks. The Bears are going to build their own stadium, state-of-the-art, maximum revenue streams, number three market in the nation. The number one market has two teams. The number two market has two teams. I think Chicago would be a potential site, either for relocation or expansion. And also London. Al Michaels said 10 years ago, when the league goes back to Los Angeles, it will be two teams, not one. I think there's room for two teams in London. And I think if the NFL ever does go to London, it will be two teams, whether it's expansion or whether it's an expansion team and a current team, maybe a current team that plays in London every single year. Hey, and I, I know folks in Jacksonville, you're not happy to hear that, but I'm not the one who's decided that the Jaguars are going to play a home game in London every year. Justin Ladd, otherwise known as on Twitter at Dynasty Mad. What dominoes do you anticipate falling before camp, after camp, trade deadline, if any? Who's on the roster bubble as a cap casualty? That's a very broad question. We could do a whole show on that. But I will say this. There will be cap casualties as we get closer. There, there are. Look, this isn't. This is Captain Obvious stuff, but I think this year more than any, with the cap net $25 million lower per team than it would have been but for the pandemic, once coaches see what young, cheap players can do at training camp practices and during preseason games, as we get closer to the start of the season, I think it will be more common than usual that a veteran who is making six, seven, eight million dollars is going to have that awkward conversation where the team says, "Yeah, we we can't we can't pay you that much this year. We want you to take half. We want you to take twenty five percent, whatever the number is." Because when that conversation happens a couple of weeks before the start of the season, it's not like the guy has many options. The depth charts are set for most other teams. No one's going to pivot and say, "Oh, we can get this guy." for X dollars more than what his team is willing to pay him now. That was the lawyer Malloy thing from back in 2003. Remember that? Patriots squeezed him to take less right before the start of the season. He said no. He shopped the market, even though that's tampering for the teams to engage. It happens all the time. He admitted it. He admitted that there was tampering. Ended up in Buffalo and uh, got more in Buffalo than what the Patriots were willing to pay him on a reduced contract. That's the way the game is played, and I think this year we'll see it more than usual. Uh, Let's see what else we have here. JR, the boss man, coming through with another question. At what point do you believe the Titans will redo Julio Jones' contract? There was a belief in league circles that Julio Jones may want a new deal on the way in to his new team. I think the more realistic outcome here is Julio Jones after reestablishing himself in 2021 as one of the premier receivers in the NFL will want to be paid on the back end next year by the Titans and that's going to create some awkwardness for the Titans because A.J. Brown their great receiver from Mississippi second round pick in 2019 becomes eligible for a new contract after this season they could have both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones clamoring for new contracts while still under contract 
after this season. Good problem to have if it gets to the point where both guys think they deserve top-end money, but still a problem because you got to figure out which one you're going to pay. Are you going to keep both? What are you going to do? Can you, can you work this out financially with that much money invested in two players who play the same position? What else do we have here? Matt Naylor, 1986. How much do the Lions need to be considered at least contenders within the NFC North? I Look, I, I like what the Lions are doing. 60 years of futility, the old-school approach, the kneecap-biting mindset, rough and tumble. I, I like it. We'll, we'll see what the limits are of it. We'll see if players are going to be playing through the whistle and potentially angering their colleagues on other teams. There's a greater sense of brotherhood among NFL teams than ever before, especially given the sensitivity to health and safety. We don't see the dirty players like we used to. And when we do, they get called out aggressively by, by players on other teams. Uh, we'll see. Look, hey, the NFC is not nearly as top-heavy as the AFC, so there's a path there to one of the seven spots in the postseason. We'll, we'll see. With the Lions, given their struggles – I think I think we'll see the catchphrase that Aaron Rodgers came up with the other day. It applies particularly to the Lions under Dan Campbell and specifically with Chris Spielman there performing all sorts of duties, but bringing that attitude, that mindset, that old school, I love football, you love football, let's play football attitude that I think could be the thing that helps turn the Lions around. All right, I, uh, I think that's it for today. We'll do it again tomorrow. I'm going to the beach next week. I shouldn't have said that, but that's okay. We have we have security here. My, my wife's very – don't don't tell people when we're leaving. It's okay. There will be people here in the house, and we have security, so I'm not worried about that. And a killer attack dog named Macy who will be ready to pounce on anyone who happens to violate the perimeter of the property with the no trespassing signs prominent and all other various security measures aimed at keeping people away. So regardless – We'll figure out what we're going to do next week. I do know this. Tomorrow, we'll do it again. Appreciate some of your time. As always, check us out around the clock at profootballtalk.com and have a great rest of your day. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.